Hello there, I'm Rob Manafield and welcome to this second edition of F1 Everything Else, the side series to the normal episodes of the podcast, um, which don't, you know, they, these things don't necessarily warrant an, uh, a numbered episode, but I want to still talk about it. Mostly it's modern, current Formula One. Uh, the first edition of F1 Everything Else was based on my experiences at Silverstone uh, for the British Grand Prix. Uh, go and check that episode out to this date. Is, uh, at the time of recording, it is still my most listened to episode. Um, over 500 hits now which is great uh, hopefully more by the time you've listened to this um, so for second edition of F1 Everything Else uh, you may have seen this on the social medias on the Facebook and the Twitter but I've decided to do the very first F1 Everything End of Season Awards now the Autosport Awards were re- they, they recently happened but let's be honest these are the only awards that matter I'm telling myself that and I'm sticking to it so let me just talk through the format. There are nine awards up for grabs with the uh, F1 Everything Else series here, the F1 Everything Awards, uh, varying from Rookie of the Year, uh, Drive of the Year, and of course the most prestigious of awards for Driver of the Year, which will be the concluding award for this ceremony. Um, there are five nominees per award and three honourable mentions, with the exception being for Rookie of the Year, where the uh, there was only five nominees, so no uh, honourable mentions for that particular category. Um, yeah, it, it's a nice opportunity for me to reflect upon um, the year as a whole and look at the things I thought were great, and it's nice to recognise uh, some of the really the big highlights and even and then low points of the season um because i don't do like race recaps as they happen um there's plenty of f1 podcasts out there that do that so go and check them out i do something different um but this is an opportunity for me with f1 everything else this little side series just to talk about current formula one and what better time as we approach christmas it's december the 5th uh on the day of recording so christmas is in uh you know on its way and before you know it, it'll be f1 2018 but Let's let's uh, sit back and look upon what I thought was a pretty decent year overall. Um, not the best. Um, it was okay. The first half of the year was great, and then it kind of deteriorated from Belgium to the finish. I thought the race quality wasn't as high, but on the whole, it was a decent season, and Lewis Hamilton won his fourth world title. So, without further ado, let's crack on with this first uh, first award. For the very first F1 Everything End of Season Awards. So the first award for the F1 Everything End of Season Awards is going to be for Drive of the Year. Now this year we saw a lot of really great drives from various drivers throughout the uh, throughout the field. Uh, it's not just the front runners though. I mean, let's be honest, the nominees here are mostly the front runners. That it is, or all, all the front runners really. Um, they don't necess- you don't necessarily have to win a race to have a drive of the year candidate. It certainly helps, and there are um, 
a couple of drives which are in both the, the main nominees and in the honourable mentions where drivers have just driven to the finish but their drive has been amazing. Um, so let's crack on. The first nominee for Drive of the Year is Sebastian Vettel in Canada. So Sebastian Vettel had a, a difficult race in Canada. His race was compromised on the uh, opening lap into Turn 1 where he uh, he damaged his front wing with a little bit of a knock-in with, uh, with Max Verstappen. Uh, drove round, didn't realise there was damage and he ended up having to pit and drop to the back of the field and then had to fight like mad. Like, and a man possessed to get past the squabbling pack. Uh, in the end, because Canada's a strange one, it's not a difficult track to overtake on, but because it's practically, a, it's a road circuit, the barriers are so close that racing wheel to wheel in Canada can be quite dicey. Um, and he had the scrapping force Indias to contend with multiple times throughout the race. And he got it done and he came fourth. It's just a fantastic performance. All in all, it was the best damage limitations drive of the season for me um, and very much it warrants the the nominee for drive of the year and it's not the last time Vettel gets nominated in this category the second nominee is Lewis Hamilton in Brazil not too dissimilar a situation to uh, to Vettel in Canada except uh, Hamilton's weekend was compromised in qualifying when he crashed in Q1 and one of the biggest shocks of the season uh, was Hamilton's crash in uh, qualifying for Brazil. But he fought his way through the field valiantly and actually came really mighty close to coming into the uh, the scrap for the for the podium places. He was fighting um, with Raikkonen up until the finish and he held on. Raikkonen held on. Hamilton came fourth. It was just a really dogged performance when you could almost look at it like Lewis may potentially could have come off the gas, if you will, no pun intended. Um, with the championship being wrapped up the previous race. But no, Lewis drew, drew, he drove brilliantly and overtook uh, with conviction and yeah, did a great job to come forth. The third nominee is also Lewis Hamilton, this time in USA. Um, for me, this was one of the most underrated drives of Lewis's career. He drove superb. You know, apart the only down points on his race was when he lost the lead at the start. But he quickly got that, um, he rectified that, got past uh, Vettel early on. And um, it was just so brilliant in the way he managed to just control the race, look after his tyres. And it was, it was the moment where Vettel and Verstappen both had to pit because their tyres are gone after their first stop. So they had to make convert to a two-stop strategy. Yet Lewis, who was running the pace out front, maintaining, uh, dictating the pace, was able to save the tyres, yet pull out blisteringly fast laps to maintain the gap to the cars behind on fresher tyres when he needed to. And he did it with such ease. It was effortless. And it really was splendid. Um, his... Is most one of his most boring drives of the year, to be honest. But as you want to see someone out front dictating a race, you know that is that is an example, a prime example of someone doing it you know, with just expert levels of quality. It was absolutely brilliant. The third nominee, sorry, fourth nominee is Sebastian Vettel in Malaysia. So Vettel didn't even get out of Q1 car problems in Malaysia and qualifying he starts last and he fights again he fights his way through the field proving overtake after overtake he, he gets close to Daniel Ricciardo for third he ends up having to back off to save fuel uh, the post-race stuff with Stroll is it, it's unfortunate but it didn't affect him in the long run which is fine 
But for me, Vettel, again, like in Canada, he showed that grit and determination, which makes him a, f one of the, a phenomenal racing driver and one of the best on the grid. Brilliant stuff from Vettel that day, despite the post-race weirdness that came from that. But yes, yeah, Sebastian Vettel, two nominees. Lewis Hamilton gets two nominees. Who gets the fifth one? Why it's Max Verstappen. But which race does Verstappen get nominated for? Is it for Mexico? No. Though that race was awesome. Was it for Malaysia? No. It was for USA. Verstappen again showing his class. And if it wasn't for the fact that he did overtake Raikkonen illegally on the last lap to take third. I'm sorry. It was an illegal overtake. And if you think it wasn't, you're mental. But it was just a beautiful performance. Overtaking when he, you know, just in the Verstappen way with aggression but with a finesse that you just don't get out of a 20 year old it's just wonderful I love watching the guy race from the back you know if Verstappen's in a compromised position and he has to fight his way through the field he's gonna do it and he's gonna make it look effortless effortless like it was brilliant stuff again and I think that's the that's the thing for all these nominees only one nominee was for a race win the rest of them are fighting through the field and they just did it so brilliantly showing their class all four, so Vettel and Hamilton and their respective fight back nominees and then here Verstappen. But it can only be one winner for Driver of the Year. And the winner is Sebastian Vettel in Canada. I chose this because Canada is a really difficult circuit to overtake on. Um, or compared to USA, Brazil and Malaysia which are big wide open circuits. And maybe apart from Brazil, but Brazil is naturally a great overtaking track anyway. But Vettel, in a damage limitation situation, really dug deep, got past those scrapping force Indias when he needed to near the end. And yeah, for me, showed pure class that day. And it was a genuine, it kept the, the title fight really going. And it, you know, he, he maintained the lead in the championship uh, because of this performance. And I think most drivers probably would have crumbled. It was great stuff. Honourable mentions go to Sebastian Vettel in Australia, uh, Lewis Hamilton in Great Britain, and Valtteri Bottas in Abu Dhabi. The second award for the F1 Everything End of Season Awards is for Car of the Year. Now this one could possibly be the most obvious award or obvious winner of any category. Uh, in this award ceremony, but I'm going to go through the nominees anyway and then give the winner and some honorable mentions So the nominees are the Mercedes F1 W08 EQ power plus Just what a machine not great when it comes to running behind cars in dirty air, but out front my god that car Looked monstrous and you do wonder what Mercedes are gonna do when they pull out the W09 as I'm sure it will get called for 2018 it's just a monster. What a great car. The Red Bull RB13. Now, when this car wasn't breaking down, and it broke down a lot, this car was great. Verstappen and Ricardo did great things with this thing, especially Verstappen, I think. And Ricardo showed his overtaking, you know, how much of an expert he is at overtaking. Verstappen did the, you know, did the goods when it came to driving to victory, mostly. You know, he took two wins over the course of the season. Um, yeah, apart from the uh, a huge unreliability, this car was great and it was admittedly the third best car in the field, but at times it really did push the front two on tracks such as Mexico, which you wouldn't really expect then in Malaysia. Again, 
medium speed uh, track like Malaysia, the Red Bull thrived. Mexico was a little bit different with the massive back straight followed by the twisty infield section. But just great stuff. Great car. I really hope Red Bull pull the... Uh, the reli- sort the reliability out for twenty uh, for twenty eighteen. Well, Renault do. Red Bull. That's not really their fault. They'll pull out a blinder, I'm sure. The third nominee is the Force India VJM10. Apart from the fact this car looks beautiful, and I've seen it in the flesh, it looks great. I was really skeptical on the pink, but actually, no, it looks great. Um, well, it's a really good little car, the Force India. The best of the midfields. Uh, Ocon and Perez on the whole did really good work of it, especially Ocon. I think Ocon was just really, really great all season. Um, again, as I said, best of the midfield cars for me. And they really are cementing themselves, Force India, as a force to be reckoned with in the midfield. And it's only a matter of time before they start scoring consistent podiums. Fourth nominee is the Ferrari SF70H. Uh, at the beginning of the season, this was actually probably better than the Mercedes. I think it was more of a complete car, and that really did give Sebastian Vettel something to to grit his teeth into and to just go for it. The car was probably a better all-rounder than the Mercedes, but just wasn't outright as quick. Uh, the Ferrari really didn't have the speed on tracks like Monza, Silverstone... But um, Abu Dhabi, I'm just trying to think something off the top of my head. But in more twisty circuits, it was untouchable. Monaco, Hungary, it, it, it was a re- Australia. It, it was a great car, the best Ferrari since 2010. But it still wasn't enough to win the world title. And the fifth nominee is the Williams FW40. Uh, this took Lance Stroll to a third place, and he actually started second on the grid in. Uh, in Monza, and I thought on the whole, Massa and Stroll did a great, great work with the with the Williams FW40. It was to mark the 40, uh, 40th anniversary of the team. Um, and yeah, admittedly, there were times where the car was a bit meh. But then again, pretty much everything bar the top three had moments where it was just a bit. Uh, um, for me, I thought the Williams definitely deserves the the fifth nominee in this category because the the other three honourable mentions don't, and then there's two which most certainly are not getting either of those accolades of even a nominee or an honourable mention. So the winner, unsurprisingly, is the Mercedes F1 W08 EQ Power Plus. What more needs to be said? That car was a monster, and I'm genuinely a little bit concerned heading into the winter, into the new season next year. Just how good is the next one going to be? Surely Mercedes are going to pull a dud out of their bag at some point and give someone else a chance. But knowing the Brackley-based team, I sincerely doubt it. The third award is for Rookie of the Year. Now, this is the award which only has the five nominees, no honourable mentions, because there were only five drivers who were rookies in heading into this season. Um, first mention, I will say, is obviously Stoffel Van Dorn is a nominee. Uh, he did take part in a race last year. I don't necessarily count that. I think Van Dorn had his first full season as a rookie this year uh, with McLaren having been signed to replace Jensen Button. Um, so just that's thought I'd just clear that up because there were drivers who have had uh, races before, obviously Van Dorn, but this for me, it was his rookie year. So let's start with the nominees, and I might as well start with Stoffel Van Dorn. Um, Van Dorn had a really difficult task, more so than any other uh, rookie on the grid this year. He had to contend with a horrible car, uh, 
Um, most obviously all down to the power unit, the chassis on that McLaren actually was really, really good. And it, it, it's exciting to see what McLaren and Alonso and Van Dorn can do next year with a Renault engine in the back of that McLaren chassis. Could be similar to the Red Bull in terms of what performance it can pull out, hopefully with some more reliability. But Van Dorn I thought did great overall, I thought he, he kept Alonso honest at times and you know score points and I again with considering the circumstances anything less than a failure so you know anything less than you know, I, I don't know what I'm saying really because it's just like I'm trying to say that you know there's no way you can fail really because the expectations are so low so Van Dorn did great as far as I'm concerned score points kept Alonso kept Alonso honest and really staked his claim as actually a potential future star. So good on him. The second nominee is Lance Stroll. Now the man who had so much debate about him heading into the winter, uh, into testing. I actually think Stroll got a really, really unfair crack of the whip from the fans uh, in the winter season. He crashed a few times. And at the beginning of the season, yes, he wasn't great. But for me... Stroll is the most improved driver on the grid over the course of a season by far. I mean, his performance in, in Azerbaijan is genuinely brilliant. It didn't get nominated for this, uh, for the award for driver of the year. But Stroll pulled off a performance way beyond a rookie who competed in less than 10 races. And his pole position, uh, sorry, pole position, front row start in uh, at Monza was just great. Look at this kid. This kid's 18. Like, absolutely awesome. And he's got a great future. And I think, you know, Williams at the moment are currently um, deciding who's going to be Stroll's teammate for 2018. Hopefully, please, for the love of God, be Robert Kubica. By the time you're listening to it, it'll either be him or it's not going to be him. And if it's not, I'm going to be really, really sad. But Lance Stroll, I think, he's had that first season and he exceeded expectations considering the expectations were so low. So he did a great job on the whole. I'm, I was really impressed, and he made my top 10 drivers of the year come the halfway stage, because I genuinely think he deserves it. So let's see what he can do from here. Um, first win in the next couple of seasons is not out of the question if he has some luck. Uh, the third nominee is Pierre Gasly. Uh, a difficult situation for Gasly, as well as his teammate Brendan Hartley, who I might as well say is the fourth nominee. The two Toro Rosso boys, who have been uh, retained for 2018. They both came in late. They both replaced Sainz and Daniel Kvyat uh, in the latter stages of the, of the season. But you know what? Considering they had their backs against the wall, I thought they did really well. They had some good performances. I don't think the car was up to much, really, at all. But you know what? Good on them, lads. They gave it a good crack, and they, and they more than secured their spot for 2018. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do. You know, they're very much part of that Red Bull faction, uh, of that, that ladder, if you will. So when inevitably um, the likes of Danny Rick and Max, maybe they go off somewhere else in the future, there's a spot for them. And I hopefully, with a bit more experience and some more races under their belt, they, they can be genuine contenders. So we'll keep watch this space with those two, Gasly and Hartley. And the fifth nominee, and kind of by default, is Antonio Giovinazzi. Um... I only remember him from his two shunts in China. That's all I remember him for. That's all we remember him for. He kind of has to be the fifth nominee because he has to make up the numbers. So guess what? It's not him. But who is it? Who is my rookie of the year? 
Well, my rookie of the year is Lance Stroll. Why did I pick Stroll over Van Dorn? Well, first of all, Van Dorn I thought did great, but Stroll I thought did really great. Considering the backlash there was against him, he's a pay driver, he keeps crashing, rah, 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 rah. he shut his critics up. And I'm so pleased that he did, because his performance in Azerbaijan was just wonderful. And it was a sign that Williams had faith in this kid. He's got a future. Lance Stroll has a genuine future, and I'm excited to see what he can do. He has steadily improved, and come the end of the year, you actually almost have faith that if Williams did decide to go with a youngster, or maybe they sign Kvyat or Berline, I mean, hopefully they please sign um, Kubica, but if they were to go with a youngster, you would look at Stroll as being the leader. But let's see what he can do. I'm excited for Stroll. I'm glad he did well, and he is my Rookie of the Year. This is the fourth award, and it's the first sort of the negative awards where I look at the the more um, the bad points of 2017, and this one could generate a bit of discussion. It's what I'm calling the Wooden Wheel Award for Worst Driver of the Year. Um, let's go through these nominees. Some of them, God, what were they? Why are they in F1? The first nominee is Julian Palmer. I'm sorry for Palmer. I do feel sorry for him. He got shafted by Renault in a way. They gave him a shit car. And, you know, I mean, the thing, I think the moment that really stood out to me for Palmer was when he retired before the race even began at Silverstone, his home race, and he's out on the formation lap. I felt so sorry for him. I really, really did. But on the whole, you know, he got dropped in after the Japanese Grand Prix. Don't know what he's going to do in the future. But Palmer, I'll just say it straight as it is. Palmer is not a very good Formula 1 racing driver. I think he's a decent racing driver. And he'll do well in the likes of Formula E, for example. I don't think he'll go back to GP2. I think that's too late. Or why would you do that? But I think Formula E is an option for Julian Palmer. But F1 is such a different level. And Palmer was just never, ever quite good enough. From the moment he was signed... Um, he scored points in Singapore, and he did a great job. And at that point, he had found out that he wasn't being retained for the uh, for 2018. Uh, so we kind of just went all out. And then it was announced that he was being replaced by signs from Malaysia onwards. It's just sad in a way. He didn't even give him a chance to finish. But then uh, Toro Ross, sorry, Renault saw an opportunity to sign signs uh, early and get him in the team and get him acquainted. So why would you not do that? But yeah, Palmer is a nominee for worst driver of the year because he kind of has to be. The second nominee is Kevin Magnussen. Um, this guy doesn't really do anything for me anymore. In 2014, I thought this kid was going to be great. And even last year in the Renault, I thought, I don't mind Magnussen. I think he's all right. You know, I think he's decent. He's, he's not as good as um, like Hulkenberg, even though they weren't teammates. Um, but Kevin Magnussen has just become a bit of a dick this year. I mean, does not no, anyone else think the same? Surely they do. Surely they must look at Kevin Magnussen now and go, this guy's an asshole. And, you know, people think it's, you know, the whole suck my balls mate thing that he said at the, it was at Hulkenberg after Hungary. People thought that was really funny. And immediately it was like, jeez, oh, why did he say that? But no, I think Magnussen, he just isn't very good. I don't think he needs to really up his game next year. I don't necessarily know why they're keeping him around. But yeah, nah, no good. 
The third nominee is Daniel Kvyat. Now, it kind of feels unfair to uh, lambast Kvyat much more, but the guy had a really difficult season and he had moments where you just want to pull your hair out. Um, I think the moment that really stood out to me was the collision with signs at Silverstone on the opening lap. Ooh, not good. Don't hit your teammate. Um, he's, and he got dropped. He got dropped. And he's gone. And I don't see William signing him. So I feel sorry for him. I do. I don't actually think he's too bad. Looking back, man, Russia 2016 was the end of his career. And it, I, it looks like his F1 career is probably over. And I do feel sorry for the way he's been treated. But I don't think Kvyat was great. To be honest, he had the nickname The Torpedo. And whilst you can make jokes about the fact that your nickname is The Torpedo, it's not a good thing. It's not a flattering name. I wouldn't go around shouting it out. Yeah, poor poor guy, but yeah. If he gets a Formula 1 seat in the future, he will need to be suitably better than he is or was uh, this year. Fourth nominee is Marcus Ericsson. Yep. Silence. I almost have nothing to say about this guy. I'm going to let my silence do the talking. And the fifth nominee is Roman Grosjean. Now, I feel I feel bad nominating Grosjean. But he's just... hasn't Again, he hasn't done anything. Neither of the Hasses did. The car wasn't very good for one. But... Nah. No. It just doesn't... He just did nothing for... He, moan, he moans on the radio a lot. Which is funny. I do feel like he gets a little bit bad treatment from... You know, from the TV, uh, for FOM and stuff, because they—that's all they show of him on the radio—is when he's having a moan. But I don't actually think he's done that great over the course of the season, and he hasn't really outstaged his teammate, and his teammate hasn't outstaged him. They've both been equally as mediocre. So Grosjean makes up the the fifth nominee for this category. But who wins the Wooden Wheel Award for Worst Driver of the Year? The loser is Marcus. Frickin Ericsson. What more? What needs to be said? The guy, I don't understand why he's in F1. I really don't. The guy has no redeeming qualities. You know, Palmer at least had a spark about him. Scored points in Singapore. Overtook Valtteri Bottas in the wet at Singapore. He did things. Through those moments where you think, oh, why? Oh, God. He did a few things which made me go, actually, you know what? That guy, he's doing all right for himself, I guess. Ericsson has done nothing at all. His best result was 11th. His teammates' best results best results over the course of the year garnered five points for Sauber. Ericsson scored nothing. And this... I had decided he was the worst driver of the year, even before we found out that he's getting retained over Verline for 2018 for Sauber uh, Alfa Romeo. That isn't a swathe of this. Ericsson was definitely going to win this or lose in this category. But my God, the fact that he has been retained for 2018, it's infuriating and I want him to... He's the only driver heading into 2018 who I want to to not succeed i want him to be dropped for 2019 and never darken f1's door again he just doesn't do anything at least magnuson he you know admittedly he's not the best driver in the world and he's a bit of an arsehole 
Billy has something about him, even if it's entirely negative. But it's something that keeps you going, oh, Kevin Magnuson. Ericsson is nothing. He's a white wall. You're looking at a white wall, and that is Marcus Ericsson. Bland as anything. Has no talent. How he's been retained is beyond me. No points. His teammate scores five points for the team. He gets dropped. And Ericsson just doesn't do anything. He's just the, the definition of a pay driver. Shock him. Stop, sorry for the rant. But <clears throat> yeah, congrats, Marcus. Enjoy that wooden wheel. I will quickly uh, list off the dishonourable mentions for worst driver of the year. Uh, Giovinazzi. Um, yeah, of course he is. Crashed twice in one weekend, and that's all we remember him by. Um, bit of a difficult one, this one. People might think why I picked him, but Sergio Perez. I don't think he really stood out. Uh, Ocon, I think, despite finishing behind him in the driver's standings, did a better job and has a, bright, a brighter future. And I don't want to put this guy as a uh, dishonorable mention, but I have to because he had one race and it didn't go well and he caused a really silly accident. But Jensen Button. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, but he had to be, he had to be mentioned. So the fifth award for the F1 Everything End of Season Awards is for Overtake of the Year. There's been some good overtakes this year. There's been some really, really, those moments where you're like, oh my god, how did they pull that off? It's inhuman. But I've had to whittle this down to five. There's three honorable mentions. But man, this was difficult. This might have been the most difficult award to kind of decide. It was the most fun to go back and look over. But yeah, this one was difficult. So let's get on with the nominees. The first nominee was Sebastian Vettel on Daniel Ricciardo in China. Um, the FIA actually named this as a nominee for their like action moment of the year or something. And you look back on this overtake and it really was spectacular. Vettel to the outside, underbreaking into a hairpin turn. Stays with Ricciardo running outside, they bang wheels. It's pure hard racing. Vettel showing the discipline under the brakes, which, you know, you expect that of a four-time world champion, but my god, Danny Rick made that so difficult for him. Could not have made it harder. And Holt, sorry, and Vettel, just, oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Go back and watch it. In fact, all these nominees and the honorable mentions, go back and watch them on YouTube. Please do. They're all brilliant and wonderful in their own regards. The second nominee is Daniel Ricciardo on Kimi Raikkonen in Italy. I had to pick one of Danny Rick's late lunges. For me, this was the one which had my, ugh. Had to turn away from the screen. But man, this is going to end in a collision. But Danny Rick somehow got that move done on Kimi Raikkonen in Italy. Underbreaks into the first chicane at 220 miles an hour. Oh, what a talent. There's nobody in F1 that can do a late lunge like Danny Rick. And that was, for me, the one which made my hair stand under my neck. No, no other move he did all year did that more than that. It was just, oh, wonderful. He nearly caught better as well for third, but not quite, but... That was the highlight of what was a really dull race in Monza. The third nominee is also Daniel Ricciardo. This time, his move on Lance Stroll, Massa and Hülkenberg in Azerbaijan. So he did a move and overtook three drivers in one move. It was just bonkers at such high speeds after the safety car. Go again and watch it. Other drivers replicated it, but nothing can match the original. There's three cars in front, dicing away, and Danny Rick outbreaks all three of them and gets the move done. What a 
one ballsy piece of overtaking. That is Danny Rick to a T. Go and watch that. That is just wonderful. The fourth nominee is Sebastian Vettel on Valtteri Bottas in Spain. Oh lordy, this is selling a dummy like you haven't seen in ages. DRS in turn one, Vettel sells um, Bottas, the mother of all dummies. Gets a bit of grass as well for his troubles as he tries to make the switch back to the right. Gets it stopped in time for turn one and gets the move done. It was wonderful and he needed to do it right there and then he had to you know get ahead of that second mercedes who was holding him up horribly he got it done and it really kept that battle for the lead between himself and hamilton going but yeah oh man there's no move this year that had my heart in my mouth more than vettel's move on bottas at such high speeds with the change of direction it is just visually and uh, spectacular in every way and the fifth nominee is for two people on one person. Uh, it is Esteban Ocon and Nico Hockenberg on Fernando Alonso in Australia. First race of the year. Ocon's first race in, um, you know, in for Force India for 2017. And he pulls off an absolute worldie of a move. Whilst he has Nico Hockenberg trying to peek, uh, sneak a move on him as well into turn one. Hockenberg gets past Alonso as well. Holds off Alonso, head down to turn three. Those two lads... Racing hard, got both their moves done on Alonso, almost overtook each other, in Hulkenberg's case, overtook Ocon, nearly. Just brilliant. Again, go watch that. That was such a long time ago, but yeah, go back and watch that. It was brilliant. That there can only be one winner. And for me, the overtake of the season was Sebastian Vettel on Daniel Ricciardo in China. For me, the, the Bottas one is probably more visually spectacular, but in terms of pure gritty racing, Danny Rick did not make that e did not make it easy for Vettel. And my God, Vettel just drove like a boss. Overtook Rani out, got it done on the outside, picked up traction. You think at the traction zone on the exit of the corner, he's going to struggle here, but no, he picked it up beautifully. Danny Rick and him bang wheels in their attempts to help, but it's just brilliant. It's just wonderful racing. There's no move, I don't think, that Vettel's done in years, which epitomises who he is as a racing driver. And it really does uh, dispel that theory that Vettel can't race, because, my God, him and Danny Rick are the two best overtakers in the sport. For their, for their, for their respective reasons, Danny Rick is just spectacular, whilst I think Vettel was more methodical and, and pulls off those, like, oh, my goodness, that was just unbelievable moves whilst Danny Rick just makes you want to turn away from the screen through fear because you think one day he's going to get one of those dive bombs wrong but it wasn't one of these times and it was amazing the honourable mentions for overtake of the year Akimi Raikkonen on Ricardo in Bahrain this was underrated Raikkonen racing but um, Ricardo hard pulls, picks up some fantastic traction and just makes it look easy and it's a pretty spectacular looking move it's just so much grip in the Ferrari a genuine underrated gem uh, the second honourable mention is Lewis's move on Alonso in Mexico. This didn't get nominated purely because it was a Mercedes on a McLaren, and it's kind of not fair, but my god, those two lads had an absolute ding-dong battle. He gets it done around the outside, heading into turn four, and then into turn five, he has the inside. Just unbelievable racing, and I actually thought Lewis's move was really, really good. Alonso defended with his life. Go and watch that. It's the highlight. One of the highlights of the season was their battle. And the third nominee, and 
I'm actually quite happy I put this uh, this uh, honourable mention in, but it's Julian Palmer overtaking Bottas, not necessarily because it was a spectacularly technical overtake, but what a moment, Palmer overtaking Bottas in the Mercedes, in the wet, in Singapore. I don't need to say much more really. So we come to the sixth award for the F1 Everything End of Season Awards, and this one is probably the most fun, because um, there's been some pretty big WTF moments across the season. But which was the WTF moment of the year? There's been some pretty questionable things that have happened in 2017, and picking the five was tricky, and I picked them for various reasons. But I, I've managed it, and there's three honourable mentions. Let's get with the nominees. The first nominee for WTF Moment of the Year was Bottas spinning behind the safety car in China. People have probably forgotten this, but I haven't. Bottas behind the safety car, warming up his tyres, just the rookiest of rookie mistakes. Yeah, the track was cold, but you don't spin behind the safety car in only a second race for Mercedes. It drops in places and his race was kind of wrecked from there in a way. It certainly didn't get a whole lot better. You just remember, I remember sitting there thinking, what the fuck? And that's what this is about. It makes you go, oh my god, what the fuck? That's the whole point of the WTF moment of the year award. So Bottas spinning behind the safety car is, yeah, I think certainly it warrants a nomination. The second nomination is Sebastian Vettel deliberately colliding with Lewis Hamilton in Baku. Um, this has been absolutely analysed to death. I'm not. I, I've given my opinion before. I think Vettel should have been banned for this. Uh, you simply don't do what he did. Um, it's one of the most hotly discussed moments of the season. But yeah, I don't really know what else needs to be said. It's been discussed so much across all various F1 platforms. Yeah, the the definition of WTF. Uh, the third nomination is Lewis Hamilton's loose headrest, also in Baku. Now, this is a weird one. It's a small one. It's nothing on the scale of the other things that are nominated here, really. But Hamilton was winning but after the restart. Hamilton was leading, and you would have thought that the headrest would have been one of the things where you go, mm, let's make sure this thing's secure. The moment for me which made this a WTF moment was when the team asked him to lean his head back to try and keep it in place on the straights. And it was so loose, you could see it was coming off. And it cost Hamilton the race. You think, what the... Headrest cost him the race? Like, he ended up finishing behind Vettel, who got a 10 second stop go penalty for the whole collision with Hamilton early in the race. Now... People say that Vettel only got a 10 second stop go because Hamilton had his headrest issue. Um, Vettel got the stop go before Vett Hamilton had to pit for the headrest. Who knows? Hamilton could have been able to maintain the issue, but they had to replace it. What a strange, strange moment. And it cost him the race. The fourth nomination is Vettel, Raikkonen and Verstappen's collision on the opening, well, few hundred meters of the Singapore Grand Prix. Again... I've discussed this with people and I put it on my uh, on my social medias and stuff, my personal ones, but this was a racing incident, but by god it it was so it happened, it happened so fast you couldn't help but go, WTF what the fuck what? 
Vettel had every chance of winning this race and getting the lead of the championship back. And his race was over in three, 300 metres. Comes across to defend from Verstappen. If it wasn't for the, for, uh, the fact that Raikkonen got a monster start and was... He, the Ferrari sandwiched Verstappen. I don't think... You know, I don't think anyone in this incident is to blame specifically for the incident. It was a massively unfortunate situation. And it ended up costing Vettel, I think, in the end, the World Championship overall. Even though he had lots of bad luck, you know, Japan, Malaysia, and all the bad luck of the world in Asia, as well as the incident in Singapore, I this was it. This was the moment it made you go, oh, this is it. That's the championship shit. Maybe next year. And the final nomination is also Sebastian Vettel. He gets three out of five. What do you know? Um, it's Vettel and Stroll's post-race collision in Malaysia. What a strange incident. And amazing how Stroll doesn't get really any damage. And Vettel's Ferrari is completely written off. It, the car's an absolute mess. You'd have thought it had a shunt at 180 miles an hour. It was an it was incredible. It, that was the thing that was the most WTF about it. Was just how badly damaged the car was. And at that point you think, oh my god. He's had the come one of the best drives of the year to come back and finish fourth. Best damage limitations you could possibly do at this point, I think, on that day. And... He has a really strange incident with Lance Stroll. Really weird. And I think Vettel was mostly to blame for it. I don't really see what Stroll did wrong. But, yeah. Just really, really, really weird. But i got to pick one. I think all five nominees are weird and crazy in their own respect. But I have to pick one. And the winner is... Bottas spinning behind the safety car. I'm joking. I'm joking. It's Vettel in Baku. Calm down. I could almost hear the Hamilton fanboys going, Oh, you are full on Ferrari. No, 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 no. Vettel hitting Hamilton deliberately behind the safety car in Baku would have been the WTF moment of any season. Really, in the last 10 years. Bizarre. Bizarre. And I'm sure Vettel regrets it. And he'd like to move on. And I, I think most people have. I think you've got to be pretty petty to hold that against him. But then again, Damon Hill still holds Adelaide 94 against Michael Schumacher. So you never know. Maybe Hamilton's going to be uh, you know, angry about Baku for decades to come. When he's not walking the red carpet in some horrendous tartan suit. But uh, never mind. The no, uh, the honourable mentions, or maybe dishonourable mentions, uh, were Verstappen, Hamilton and Vest uh, Vettel's incident in Mexico on the opening lap. Uh, Kvyat and Sainz opening lap collision at Silverstone. And uh, a totally different one. Not really racing related. But Lewis Hamilton missing F1 Live in London. There are 20 drivers in F1. 19 rocked up to uh, Trafalgar Square in London for F1 Live. Except the hometown or home nation driver the whole point of the event i think was to hype the british grand prix a race which lewis is the main man about you know, that's what people were there for and it was so soon after baku it was amazing in that regard that people cheered vettel and booed hamilton but lewis deciding a holiday was better than you know coming out for the fans but he won the race on Sunday, so maybe the break actually was the right decision. But I remember thinking, you are a dick, mate.
the seventh award, we're nearly there guys, the seventh award for the F1 Everything End of Season Awards is uh, <laughs> the worst race of the year. Oh boy, there was a lot to choose from. Um, this wasn't the best of seasons for actual race quality. Uh, every award is nominated for... Try every nominee is award, um, is, has been nominated for a particular reason. Mostly because they were just pretty dull races and not much happened. Um, yeah, this is a bit of a depressing one. Because I want every race to be good. And yet hyped up. You spend a weekend going ready for the race, and then when it's shit, you're like, oh, great. Let's go through them. The uh, the nominees. Again, five nominees. Three dishonorable mentions, though. I could have picked quite a few more. And trying to pick the five, which were definitely the worst, was quite difficult. Here we go, then. The five worst races of the year were... Uh, here are the nominees. Abu Dhabi. The latest entry on the list. This race was dull. Nothing happened. Uh, you know, the intrigue of... Bottas and Hamilton didn't really come to light in the end. Bottas drove really well. Hamilton didn't drive that great. But on the whole, yeah, Bottas drove what was probably the dullest race of the year in terms of the quality of the overall Grand Prix. Nothing much happened. Magnussen spun on the opening lap. But apart from that, I genuinely can't remember anything else. Because it was, it was that dull. Um, second nominee is USA. I think aside from Vettel and Verstappen's battling this race left a lot to be desired and it had a lot of hype heading in um so circuit of the americas has produced either some amazing races or some pretty dull ones 2013 being a particularly dull one this for me was one of the worst ones they've had there uh it's a great track but it's like a lot of these things it doesn't it doesn't necessarily generate great racing as per this next nominee britain great britain silverstone i was there and i still think this was one of the five worst races of the year um hamilton dominated out front where i couldn't maintain a gap to behind and couldn't really push vettel and verstappen was the only highlight really of what was a pretty dull race on the whole danny rick fighting his way through the field in in standard danny rick uh fashion bottas overtaking vettel the ferraris imploding at the end um, I don't actually think this... I was there. I think the thing that really makes... This is why it's nominated. I was there, and I have to say, at point, I was a bit bored. There wasn't much happening. Uh, Danny, Ricks was, Danny Rick was the most exciting part of the race for me. But that didn't... You know, when the only exciting thing is one driver fighting his way through the field, and everything else is pretty dull, to really dull. Yeah, that's not good. And that's why it's been nominated. Because I was there, watching it in person, and I have to say, at points, I was bored out of my mind. The fourth nominee is Austria. Again, exciting opening few laps. Absolutely diddly score happened until the final uh, part of the race, where Hamilton was hounding down Ricardo and couldn't get it done. Um, yeah, you know a race is dull when the replay, um, the highlights video on YouTube, literally goes from like lap 2, skips all the way to lap 50, and then goes to lap, like, lap 68 or something. Nothing happened in this race. I think the Red Bull ring, for it being a traditional circuit, I don't think it necessarily generates exciting Formula 1 racing. It's a good little circuit. It's very different, because it's so short, it adds that, you know, it's a different way you approach it, I think, because it's such a short lap. But... Yeah, it doesn't necessarily generate exciting Formula 1 racing. And the fifth nominee was Italy. Both uh, Mercedes dominated and everybody else really was just... More than best of the rest were, was Sebastian Vettel that day. Because no one else apart from the Mercedes even 
showed a glimmer of quality, apart from maybe Danny Rick again, much like at Silverstone, turning a horrendous race into somewhat tolerable, but still nowhere near good compared to races that have taken place at Monza in the past. And the winner, or in this case, the loser, would have been Italy. It was Italy right up until the final race. But boy, did Abu Dhabi knock it out of the park with just being such a bad race. That race was not good. And a pure sign that Abu Dhabi needs a massive change or it needs to go. Yes, it looks beautiful. It's a spectacular looking race. But you can't, you know, you can keep shining a turd if you want. That's all I'll say. The dishonourable mentions were Belgium, Russia and Japan. Belgium and Japan should have been better because of, you know, by, by, by nature, because of where they are. And Russia, again, was much like Austria and that not a lot really happened until the end. Uh, it's a shame. I don't actually mind that Sochi circuit. It's okay. But, yeah. Hopefully we get more better than bad races next year. But, uh, yeah. Not holding out hope. The penultimate award is for Grand Prix of the Year. There's been some good races this year. I've seen. I managed to pick five nominees and three honourable mentions. All for various reasons. Um, I would argue only one was a genuine outright classic. And, well, as you'll hear, that is the winner. But there's been some good races for various reasons this year. You don't necessarily have to have 150 overtakes to to have a great race, but... As you'll hear, the, you know, they all get nominated for their respective reasons, as I keep saying. First nominee is Spain. Uh, the Spanish Grand Prix was great. It had strategy. It had genuine elements of fantastic racing and heart-stopping moments. I mean, Lewis and Vettel's battle into Turn 1 after, uh, after Vettel's pit stop was just heart-stopping. It was something that I think we'd all wanted. It was one of the few times that they really did battle in equal machinery in terms of quality. Uh, Bottas, you know, basically holding up Vettel to try and give Hamilton a shot. And Hamilton won. It was in a straight fight, and it was really, really exciting. I enjoyed that race a lot, actually. Despite the fact that, you know, Vettel lost. You know, I'm not so much of a jaded Ferrari fan that in any race that Vettel loses is not good. In fact, I'm looking here at the nominees, and Vettel only won two of the eight that are even featured in this category in any regard. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. The second nominee is for Azerbaijan. Carnage from start to finish, and everyone thought, this race is rubbish because of all the safety cars. But looking back, I said at the time, and I say it again, this was the f- this was a five-star race. I adored it. I can't wait to watch it back again on the, uh, on the review Blu-ray that comes out in a couple of weeks or whatever. That race was just carnage. Controversy, crashes, spectacular overtakes wonderful performances just brilliant and the thing that makes it so great was that nobody saw this race being good i remember saying to my friend liam uh oh god this is gonna be a dull one and i think i went over liam's flat to watch the race to try and make the race more entertaining heading in because i thought oh back gonna be boring little did we know this was the most exciting race of the year by far and we both were at silverstone for the for the british grand prix says it all really 
The third nominee is for Singapore. Singapore is the third nominee. I think the, the intrigue of it being a night race in the wet. Um, and it was, it, was, it was tense. Hamilton drove great. Ricardo was battling. He had a real chance. There was some good scrapping down the field. And the fact that they did this in the wet in Singapore. The first time in, in 10 runnings of the race that it was in, in the wet. You know, I actually, despite the first lap stuff that happened, I thought this race was really good, and I enjoyed it muchly, actually, even though it wasn't ideal for Vettel's championship. So, again, I'm not that much of a fanboy. Okay. Fourth nominee is Bahrain. So this is the uh, the what one of the ones which Vettel won, which I will mention. But looking back, Bahrain was really, really entertaining. Great on scrap uh, on track scrapping. Um, again, some controversy, Lewis holding up the pack, trying to come into the pits to give his teammate a chance. Ended up backfiring spectacularly for him. He got a penalty, and that penalty probably cost him the race. Um, just exciting. Vettel hanging on. Vettel, uh, Hamilton closing. Some good battles throughout the field. I remember really liking Bahrain. I thought that race was really entertaining. And the result was great. And the fifth nominee is Canada. So Canada... <laughs> Again, mostly for Vettel's performance, but there were some really great battles throughout the field as well. But the, the battle between the Force Indias, you know, their their relationship between their drivers imploding. Um, yeah. Uh, it was good stuff. I really like Canada. It was really good. But there can only be one winner. And we all know the answer anyway. And the answer is Azerbaijan in Baku. What a Grand Prix. I'm not going to rattle it on again. I've I've said too much about this race. Baku was spectacular. And any, and it's going to take something special in 2018 to top that. It's one of the best races of the decade. And yeah, that's why we watch F1. It's carnage. Brilliant. And now we come to the final award, the biggest award, Driver of the Year. Now, picking five nominees wasn't that hard. And the winner certainly wasn't you know, a difficult decision either. Picking the honourable mentions was a bit trickier, but I think I've got this down. Again, this is pretty much what we've been building up to. It's the award which I think really sums up the 2017 season. Here we go. The nominees for Driver of the Year are Max Verstappen. When the car wasn't breaking down, I thought Max did great, drove brilliantly, took two wins and showed experience and skill way beyond a 20-year-old. Yeah, Max Verstappen is a star and is going to be a multiple world champion. And this year showed that when things are going well with him with the car, when the car's running, he's a beast. Second nominee, Lewis Hamilton. I think Lewis showed this year the moments which made me... that People question him for certain things. When things don't go right, he gets into some sort of depressive slump. But when he's on form, I would argue that there's probably no one in the world that can match him. He's just unstoppable when he's on form. When he's motivated. And he won the World Championship, so... What more needs to be said about uh, Hamilton? Third nominee is Sebastian Vettel. Um, difficult one, because I think Vettel did great this year. 
took some great victories, you know. But he, there's moments in the end. He gets nominated because he he came second in the World Championship, won five races, and ended up doing a, a decent job. And it was Ferrari's best shot at a World Championship in half a decade. But he had those moments when you just really you wish he went about things differently. But then he's as I said in the episode I did about him, he is flawed, but he's brilliant, and he's more than deserving of a nomination. The fourth nominee is Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, Danny Rick showing again what an overtaking maestro he is and just, yeah, he's brilliant. I keep saying this, I say it's brilliant. It's almost like a phrase of mine. You know, have a shot every time I say it's brilliant, you'll be pissed in five minutes. I love watching him race and I'm excited to see what he does. I hope Red Bull pull their thumb out their ass in terms of the reliability of the car because, my God, it was starting to get like the McLaren Honda come the end. You know, if Danny Rick finished a race or if Max finished a race, it was almost considered a miracle. But yeah, Danny Rick is great, and as I said, I'm excited to see what he does. I love watching him race. You know when he's chasing someone that he's going to pull off some worldly overtake, and that really has been the highlight of his season, has been his overtaking, and he's a star at it. He's probably the best in the sport. Him and Vettel are the two best in the sport at overtaking right now. And the fifth nominee sneaks in right at the end. He, he, he hadn't made it until after Abu Dhabi, but Valtteri Bottas does pick up the fifth nominee. Um... He was my driver of the year after Hungary, so far anyway. I thought he was driving so consistently brilliantly and he was really within a shot at the championship if he just stayed consistent. The second half of the year, the drop-off of speed and consistency between himself and his teammate was startling. At least half a second lap in qualifying before his two pole positions in Brazil and in Abu Dhabi. The Abu Dhabi performance really salvaged what was a pretty dire second half of the year, where I think people really started to question him. But I'm happy that he made a nomination, uh, a nominee, because it or became a nominee. Because if he hadn't, that's a massive drop off. He'd have dropped five places from the number one slot I gave him back in uh, back in August. Let's see what he does next year. I think he'll be hugely motivated to take it to Lewis and to Vettel. But there can only be one winner, and the driver of the year is Lewis Hamilton. It had to be. It had to be Lewis. There's nobody who I think has driven better than him. He's had some luck. You know, Vettel faltering, you know, the, having mechanical problems and, you know, incidents and things like this. But at the end of the day, you still have to drive the car to the flag. And I think Lewis did that better than anybody this year. Obviously, he won the most races. He picked up the results like in Singapore, for example, a race where he was most certainly not slated to win it. But he did. And fair play to him. I think, Lewis, I don't think this was as good as his 2015 season. I think that's been his best season. But my God, this was right up there. Knowing that there's probably not a lot of time left for him, really. He's probably going to retire in the next few years. Um, Yeah. Let's just enjoy him, I think, whilst he's here. I, I gain massive respect for him in some ways. I still think he's a twat in other regards, but yeah, you can't you can't help but you know, respect the guy for his ability behind the wheel of a racing car. And Lewis showed again why he warrants being a four-time world champion. So congrats, Lewis. You are the driver of the year. Uh, what more needs to be said? Fair play, lad. Good job. New honourable mentions are Esteban Ocon, Nico Hülkenberg, and sneaking in at the end is Kimi Raikkonen. So that's it. That is the end of the F1 Everything End of Season Awards. 
Um, I hope you've enjoyed them. I know it's probably been a little bit rambly, and I don't tend to edit these F1 Everything Else episodes that uh, vigorously. So they're going to be a little bit uh, from here and there. Again, this is more for me to spout off, like, you know, some thoughts about the sport in a more open, conversational way. Um, but I'm working on episode 7 of the podcast, and it's going to be the biggest episode of the podcast to date, maybe ever. There's 20 years of history to talk about. Obviously, episode 7 is going to be on Michael Schumacher. Uh, the biggest task I've ever done, I think, in terms of the podcast or I'll do there's no topic which means more to me than this and I really really want it to be the best it can be so please be patient it probably won't come out before Christmas I'm not going to rush this I want it to be um, uh, as special as it can be it's going to be emotional for me and I'll explain all in the podcast um I won't hold anything back, it'll it'll come from the heart, and yeah, I'm so excited. I'm dreading it, in a way, like I did with the uh, Bianchi episode, I'm dreading it, but I, I can't wait, I can't wait to do a 21-year career justice, and I hope I do. So yeah, watch this space, episode 7, Michael Schumacher, it's coming soon, just, yeah, bear with. So that's it. Thank you very much for listening. I do hope you've enjoyed the F1 Everything End of Season Awards. I hope you uh, agree with the with the with the winners. Um, if you didn't, then let me know. Tweet at F1 Double Underscore Everything. Let me know what you think. Uh, or follow me on the Facebook page. Again, look up F1 Everything on Facebook, and then you'll find the page. Uh, I'm also on Twitch. If you like to watch me play racing games, mostly Gran Turismo Sport at the moment. I'm just loving that. Um, yeah, just send me a message. I love chatting about F1. Uh, I've had some really good interactions and I've you know, met some nice people on Twitter this year. And I'm excited to see where the podcast goes in 2018 and beyond. So thank you very much for listening, as I said. Happy Christmas. I'll see you in the new year. I'm Rob Manifield. And I'll see you around the next corner. <laughs>